Welcome to Live Label Free, the podcast where we talk about all things eating disorder recovery, autism, entrepreneurship, and so much more. I'm your host, Livia Sarah, and my mission is to inspire individuals from across the globe to live a life in which they feel fulfilled and free from limiting labels. I am so excited to have you here and cannot wait to dive into the episode. Hello, hello, my beautiful friend. I am actually recording this as I literally just got back from my month-long trip to San Diego a couple days ago, and I honestly just do not have words. It was so, so amazing. But if you've been following my journey over on Instagram, I'm sure you already know that because my positive energy just seeps through the screens with my stories and my wheels and I just love it there and I'm so so excited to be able to have the opportunity to move there so soon and I do have to say that right now it is really nice to be back home between my own things out of the crazy downtown San Diego and the latter is especially relevant in terms of podcasting because it was just so difficult to podcast when I was there. And I kind of anticipated it because I knew I was going to be staying downtown, but I'm just a really in the moment kind of person. And I realized that I could have batch recorded podcast episodes for the month I was away to save me the hassle. But honestly, that would have just added so much extra stress to the whole moving situation and it's not as fun as just creating episodes as I go and like I said it was definitely a struggle every week when I went to record because you could like hear all the cars bustling and I literally had to stand in a windowless closet to dilute the noise but here we are we made it and thank goodness for noise cancelling mics and being able to take pauses and cut out the roaring ac in the background lol and shout out to you dharma my beautiful podcast editor you are a true lifesaver and this podcast wouldn't be here if it weren't for you so shout out to you dharma i love you anyways One of the most amazing parts about being back home in the Netherlands now is knowing that I will be officially moving to San Diego so soon. And I do explain all the details in terms of timing and why I'm moving to San Diego in my moving to San Diego episode, which is the second episode if you just scroll back a bit. It's the one in which I also say that I got scammed $2,000. So that's another fun story if you are interested in hearing that. But my plan now that I'm back here is to finally sort through all the junk I've acquired throughout the years and sell all my electronics and just big pieces of furniture that would be way too expensive to ship overseas and just kind of arrange all of the logistics when it comes to securing an apartment and moving just the things I can't let go. Because, I mean, we all have you know, those things that you just acquire throughout your life and they're the things that are just yours. And I can't even like say what they are because I don't even know what they are, but they're just your things, you know? So I am still wondering like what I'm going to do as I wait two months for those said things. But this again is where I choose to surrender and I choose to trust the process because sometimes that's all you can do. 
And with that said, I want to dive straight into today's topic, which is going to be all about extreme hunger. And if there's one topic that I get just the most DMs and emails about, it is hands down extreme hunger and binge eating. And I'm honestly so passionate about this topic that I'm currently working on an online course that's going to be all about how to overcome your extreme hunger and find true satisfaction with food. And it's definitely taking a lot more time to create than I thought it would because if you know me, and I mean, I guess I should have known because I know myself, you also know that I don't half-ass projects. Like, if I go for something, I go for something and I make it perfect and I just make sure that it contains everything that I want and everything I've learned throughout the years. But yeah, I am just so, so happy with that trait because I'm so incredibly proud of what the course is becoming and I seriously cannot wait for you to overcome your extreme hunger and find true satisfaction because it is just the most freeing thing ever when you know what it's like to live trapped in a cycle of disordered eating. And I'm super excited to say that you can now join the waitlist to be the first one to be notified when my course finally launches. So just head over to my website, the Extreme Hunger course page. So that's livelabelfree.com forward slash extreme dash hunger dash course. So again, that's livelabelfree, like the name of this podcast, dot com forward slash extreme dash hunger dash course and in the meantime of course see what i did there i am not going to leave you hanging and i actually do want to do a podcast series on extreme hunger because i feel like there's way too much stigma around needing to eat a lot of food in recovery and just being really hungry in recovery i do say series and not like single episode because there's literally no way i can say all i want to say and give all the advice i want to give and just share all the things i've learned in one episode because i mean hell you guys i'm making a whole course on this topic that i've already been pouring my heart and soul into for months So there's no way that I could just fit it into one episode. So let me know, hit me up on Instagram DMs and tell me if this series is one you'd be interested in and what you want to learn more about extreme hunger after listening to this. And if you are going through extreme hunger or have gone through it yourself, I'd actually love to have you on as a guest to share your experience because I think it's so important to have other people know that they're not alone. So for now, I wanted to kind of dive into the basics regarding extreme hunger and just kind of answer the most commonly asked questions I get because we can't really build on anything if we don't have the groundwork laid out, you know? So in this episode, I'm going to be sharing exactly what extreme hunger is, why it happens in recovery, and why it's really important. And then depending on what you think, we may or may not dive deeper into this topic in later episodes. And if you want me to do an episode just on my personal experience with extreme hunger, do let me know that as well. And if you do get anything out of this episode or have gotten anything out of previous episodes, it always means the world to me if you can share this to your IG stories and 
tag me and also leave a rate and review on Apple Podcast. It really helps support the show more than you know and helps spread a super important message that I feel like everyone just needs to hear. And I just love doing this work, but I mean it when I say that we are in this together, my friend. I seriously couldn't do what I do if it were not for you. So let's dive right in. First things first, what exactly is extreme hunger? And there's obviously not a dictionary definition of extreme hunger, so I'm not expecting everyone to agree with my own definition of it. However, from my personal experience as well as the experience of my clients and amazing individuals that follow me on Instagram, I believe that this definition that I'm about to tell you is the best way to encompass what extreme hunger feels like. So although there may not be a definition of the words extreme hunger together, there are of course definitions for the word hunger and the word extreme separately in the dictionary. So let's read them, shall we? So according to Merriam-Webster dictionary, hunger is a craving or urgent need for food or a specific nutrient. And the definition of extreme is reaching a high or the highest degree or very great. So when we put these two definitions together, we get the definition of extreme hunger as a very urgent need for food or specific nutrients. And what I love about this definition is that nowhere in it is just physical hunger specified. I feel like there's this huge misconception in the recovery world that extreme hunger is only valid if it's physical, but there are several ways in which extreme hunger can present itself. And before I do get into the different types of extreme hunger, it's important to first understand why extreme hunger occurs in the first place. Simply put, extreme hunger is our body's way of getting us back to a healthy state as quickly and efficiently as possible. Because when we are malnourished, our body goes into energy deficit, which means that the amount of energy, i.e. the amount of calories we are taking in, is insufficient to balance the amount of energy we are putting out or in other words, the amount of energy we are burning. And I do want to stress here that you don't just burn calories when you're working out or quote unquote exercising, because just being alive requires energy. So think about the beating of your heart or the digesting of your food or the signals that your brain is exchanging with all of the different parts of your body. I feel like we often forget how much fuel the body truly requires even when we're just sitting and quote-unquote resting. Because in reality, your body is actually never resting. Your cells are constantly multiplying, which means your body is constantly at work. It's just that when us humans can't see something, we often jump to the conclusion that nothing is happening and then we overcomplicate things by trying to take them into our own hands. So we overexercise to burn calories or we go on a diet or we engage in other compensatory behaviors that ultimately results in a negative energy balance. So listening to this, you may just hear the word energy deficit or negative energy balance and think, okay, well, what the heck does that mean? And what the heck does that even have to do with extreme hunger? Well, I'm going to tell you because for the body, energy deficit is perceived as a famine and specifically 
our brainstem perceives a famine. And fun fact here, the human brain as we know it actually just evolved from the brainstem and some animals such as reptiles only have a brainstem. And for this reason, our brainstem is often referred to as the reptilian brain. Now, the reptilian brain is responsible for anything that has to do with survival. So, any thoughts about food, safety, sex, Yeah, that is all coming from your brainstem, baby. Your brainstem, its sole purpose is to make sure you stay alive and keep the human race intact. And one of the biggest threats to human survival would be a lack of food. So when you go on a diet or you overexercise and ultimately consume less food than your body needs, your brainstem or your reptilian brain perceives this as resources being scarce. So it perceives that you are in an environment that is lacking adequate resources. And in reality, sometimes resources are scarce. And not really anymore with a Starbucks and a McDonald's being on literally every corner nowadays. But If you think about thousands and thousands of years ago, there were times when food was scarce and people had to temporarily adjust. Like when we go through a period of stress, we may undereat or perhaps just overdo it on the exercise slightly, but our bodies are pretty malleable and when they trust that this scarcity is just a temporary thing, there's no real long-term issue. The issue is when this energy deficit continues for a prolonged period of time, such as continuous dieting or disordered eating or just simply consuming an insufficient amount of food for longer than a couple days. So, when this energy deficit does continue for a prolonged period of time, I like to speak of energy debt. And energy debt is a lot like financial debt in the fact that you eventually need to pay it back. But before we get to the paying back, we need to look at what happens before that point. So, what exactly happens to the body when you are in energy deficit and building up energy depth? Well, like we just learned, if you are under eating, your body perceives a famine and believes there is not enough food around. In other words, your body does not trust that resources are abundant. So if the body cannot rely on there being enough food, it will make adjustments to lessen the requirement of that food. And with that, I mean, if you're expending less energy, you obviously don't need as much. I mean, just think about your average Joe. If we had average Joe times two, and one of these average Joes was sitting on the couch all day watching television, and the other average Joe, so maybe his twin, was an ultra marathoner, triathlete, runner guy, like obviously the triathlete, athlete guy would need more energy, so more calories to make up for this energy expenditure. But it's also not just about movement because there's also people that just have a slower or faster metabolism because some people just naturally will burn more or less energy than others. And that's why you can really never compare what you eat to what someone else is eating because our bodies are just so different and even if we all ate exactly the same and exercised exactly the same and worked and did everything exactly the same, we'd still have different bodies because all of our bodies absorb food and process food differently than others. 
Do you want to know what my number one secret ingredient is to creating the thickest smoothie bowls, the creamiest oat bowls, and honestly just making everything taste better, all while supporting my gut health at the same time? I know you do. Well, my friend, that ingredient is Newfest Clean Lean Protein, baby. And for those of you who do already follow me on Instagram, this may not even be a secret because I've been using Newfest for over five years now, and I'm about to tell you just why it's literally the best protein ever. So, Newfest has succeeded in creating a plant-based protein that's made from only the highest quality ingredients has the smoothest texture, and tastes absolutely amazing. They have an incredible range of flavors, each of which has pea protein as the core ingredient. And not just any pea protein, get this. Pea protein made from premium European golden peas that have been grown in the rich soils of northern France and processed in Belgium using a patented water-based technique that results in a silky smooth texture. Like, does that just sound magical or what? Clean Lean Protein by Newsest is free of all common allergens such as gluten, soy, and dairy, and also contains zero artificial flavors, sweeteners, or additives. And did I mention it tastes absolutely delicious? Whether you follow a plant-based diet, love being active, struggle with gut health, or just want to improve your overall quality of life, Newsest Clean Lean Protein is a must-have in your kitchen. And when it comes to flavors, I find it so hard to choose. But my personal favorites are the Just Natural, the Smooth Vanilla, the Rich Chocolate, and the chai, turmeric, and maca. And when I'm needing a little extra gut support, my go-to flavors are the probiotic vanilla and the probiotic cacao that have added probiotics for optimal digestion. I am so excited to be giving my podcast listeners an exclusive 25% off when you use my code LIVEFREE25 at checkout on Newsest USA's website. So that's N-U-Z-E-S-T- dash usa.com and use my code livefree25 at checkout so that's l-i-v-f-r-e-e-2-5 to receive 25% off Newfest Clean Lean Protein. Now let's get back to the episode. But no matter what your basal metabolic rate or the rate at which you burn energy is, your body will slow down if you do not nourish it and give it enough energy that it requires and it will start to conserve energy in an effort to keep you alive because if your body would continue to give out as much energy as before you'd run out pretty quick and when us humans run out of energy so when we run out of reserves we would die and that is literally what our survival brain is primed to prevent from happening so when you are under eating and when you are in energy deficit, your body starts to economize and bodily processes will start slowing down. Your heart rate will slow down, you will feel tired, which is literally equal to lack of energy in every sense of the word. You'll start to feel cold as your body cannot produce as much heat. Your metabolism will slow down like we just said. Your digestion will slow down. Your hair and your nails get brittle. You get the idea. But this is just the beginning. 
Because as you continue to undereat and you continue to malnourish yourself, your body also must continue to economize and must continue to conserve energy. And it has absolutely no clue when food will be readily available again. So it'll slow down even more. And at this point, it'll even stop certain processes that are non-essential to life. And a very good example of this is when your period goes missing if you are a female. Because why the heck would your body quote-unquote waste energy on a period if it could use that precious energy to keep your heart beating, to keep you alive? And not to mention its lack of trust of you feeding a baby if you can barely feed yourself. So for a while, your body may be able to sustain this economization, but as you continue your day-to-day life and you use your precious energy on other activities, such as running or exercising or doing all the other things you do in a day, your body starts to build up debt. And if you're not going to provide it with energy, it's going to seek other places to get that energy from, such as your organs. So here is when your body will actually literally start to eat itself up. Your bone density will decrease, which can lead to osteoporosis. Your brain will shrink, which can result in more irrational thinking and other mental health issues. And this is all very scary, but it's exactly how the body works. We need fuel to function, period. And your body will do anything it can to access that fuel, like no matter what it takes, literally. So perhaps now you realize what danger your body is in, and maybe you start fueling it properly again. So you start eating more, you stop exercising, and you start the process by which your brainstem can trust that it's no longer in a famine environment. But then, boom! After eating more and giving yourself plenty of rest for a couple of weeks or maybe months, you suddenly get this insatiable hunger and you feel like you're a bottomless pit. Or perhaps you just cannot stop thinking about food. Even when you feel so stuffed to the brim after you've eaten like an entire jar of peanut butter and a pack of Oreo cookies and just finished off the Ben and Jerry's cookie dough. Well, this my friends is the moment everyone in ED recovery dreads. This is the start of extreme hunger. And you may be wondering, why now? Why didn't I have extreme hunger when I was eating less? Wasn't I supposed to be hungrier before I was eating more? Well, from the biological perspective of energy conservation and understanding of our survival brain, it is actually very logical that you get extreme hunger later on in recovery. Because as we heard earlier, when your brain thinks it's in a famine environment, it will be very selective when it comes to choosing how to use the limited amount of energy available. So if it cannot trust that there is food around, it won't waste its energy on sending out physical hunger cues. However, and luckily, when you start eating more and perhaps gain some weight, your body learns that it's actually not in a famine environment. Yay! It now trusts that hunger cues will be honored, so it finally starts sending them out. And back to our beautiful definition of extreme, it will start sending them hunger cues out in a very great degree. So now I just want to elaborate on the different types of extreme hunger, as I know there can be this worry about wanting to eat more food in recovery, 
even if you feel physically very full. And you may already be familiar with the terms physical hunger and mental hunger, which I will totally be explaining in a sec, but I actually also do want to elaborate on two more nuanced types of hunger that you may not be as familiar with. So first of all, we have physical extreme hunger, which is what most people in recovery describe as this bottomless pit hunger, or almost this inability to feel physically full after eating a significant amount of food. And the scientific term for this insatiable physical hunger is actually post-starvation hypophagia, for which I have another beautiful definition. And this is it. So listen up because it's kind of a, a kind of a long one. So post-starvation hypophagia is an increase in the sensation of hunger and overeating after a period of chronic energy deprivation that can be part of an auto-regulatory phenomenon attempting to restore body weight. And I know that definition is quite a mouthful, no pun intended, but basically all it means is that feeling incredibly hungry after a period of restriction is a completely normal and even healthy biological response to get your body out of energy deficit. And mental hunger actually falls right into this same category with it being a way in which your body is trying to get you healthy again. I get so many DMs on Instagram and emails with questions around whether mental hunger actually counts or there's people who are worried that thinking about food has somehow just become a bad habit and probably the number one question around mental hunger is whether or not we should honor it if we feel physically full after first satisfying our physical hunger. And I'm just going to cut right to the chase by saying that Yes, mental hunger absolutely counts, and if anything, it can even be more important sometimes than physical hunger in those moments that you do feel physically full, or you maybe don't feel physical hunger at all yet. And the reason I say more important, because I know that physical hunger is also super important, is because mental hunger can actually be the very important trigger for us to eat and nourish ourselves if we are lacking physical hunger cues. And to understand this, I just want to briefly go back on touch on something I mentioned earlier, which is this idea of energy conservation. When your body thinks it is in a famine environment, it will slow down or even completely shut down processes in order to conserve energy, like we mentioned before. Every single thing that your body does costs energy, from cellular division to simply breathing. When we consider this, the very act of a rumbling stomach or any other type of signal that our brains receive when we're physically hungry costs energy. And when we do have sufficient energy, meaning we're eating enough and we are not in energy deficit, the body is willing and able to sacrifice that energy to send out a hunger cue in good trust that it will get its return on investment. And that return on investment is obviously eating. However, when we are in energy deficit, and this can still be the case if you've gained some weight, I just want to remind you that, our body is not yet willing to sacrifice energy on sending out a physical hunger cue because it still doesn't have complete trust that this hunger cue will be met with food. And this 
is where mental hunger is our savior. The body is so smart and knows that you need more energy. So it will come up with alternative ways to signal you to go out and seek that energy. And when I say energy, I of course mean calories. So nutrients, nutrition, food. So what is the most cost effective way to signal to you that you're hungry? That's thinking about food. Because simply having a thought costs way less energy than actually sending out a physical cue. And this is the very reason why most people who are malnourished are just constantly thinking about food and constantly experiencing mental hunger. It's simply your body's way of telling you that you're hungry while it's being smart and conserving energy at the same time. Like, how incredible is that? Are you currently experiencing extreme hunger and do you fear that you're becoming a binge eater? Or perhaps you are constantly thinking of ways to deserve food or make up for it. Or you just feel overridden with gut-wrenching guilt every time you eat something unplanned or miss a workout. If any of that resonates, you are in luck because I am interrupting my very own episode to tell you about my one-on-one coaching program. One of my favorite quotes is that your mess will become your message and my coaching program was really born out of that. I created this program after being told that I was a hopeless case by a clinical psychiatrist over six years ago. I thought there was something wrong with me and that I was simply uncurable, but I quickly learned that I wasn't the only one being pushed aside by their doctors and healthcare providers. It was the system that was failing patients, not to mention how most treatment centers or insurance companies only support those who fit the eating disorder stereotypes. As the years went on and I finally dug myself out of the deep hole the eating disorder had created for me, I continued to hear horror story after horror story from clients being disregarded and being labeled as too complex by the so-called professionals. In the traditional healthcare system, it really is unfortunate that you fall between land and ship when you're dealing with more than one mental health issue, and you're often told to first quote-unquote fix the other issues before they can help you with tackling your eating disorder. But it does not work like that. An eating disorder never stands alone, so why should you? My promise when it comes to coaching is to guide you on the path to freedom, whatever that looks like for you. You don't need to fit a stereotype or be at a low weight or even feel sick enough to get help. In fact, if any part of your life is compromised by disordered eating, you are sick enough and have every right to help. Whatever you're going through right now, please know that you are never alone and I am so open to exploring how we can find freedom for you together. I have stood in your shoes and am so incredibly passionate about the power of lived experience. I thought that I was never going to get better, yet here I am, thriving. And if I can do it, so can you. During our time together, we will approach your recovery holistically. We'll explore what's holding you back, discover what you need, and unlock your full potential because you are so beautiful and unique, my friend. You can schedule a free 30-minute discovery call with me at livelabelfree.com forward slash schedule. That's 
live label free like the name of this podcast dot com forward slash schedule so that's s-c-h-e-d-u-l-e i absolutely cannot wait to chat now let's get back to the episode okay so now we know that mental hunger is important and all but i completely understand that it can also be harder to recognize especially if you've conditioned your body to ignore it for such a long time so i just wanted to share some ways in which mental hunger can present itself so that you can become better at being aware of it because awareness is always the very first step to change and taking action so simply put mental hunger can be recognized by thinking planning or dreaming about food or really anything that has to do with food so planning your next meal or worrying about what food is going to be available at that barbecue party or thinking about how you're going to restrict in order to deserve food later in the day that is all mental hunger and you may be wondering now well that can't be possible because i'm always thinking about or planning food like livia if that's your definition of mental hunger that would mean that i'm always hungry but Guys, yeah, exactly, you are right. You probably are always hungry. But because you've conditioned your brain to ignore the thoughts around food, or you've conditioned yourself to distract whenever you think about food, you've tried to micromanage and control the very simple message that your body is telling you. And this mental hunger is often very closely tied to constantly feeling like you need to be productive because constantly doing something is a mechanism in which you've tried to distract yourself from thoughts about food. So along with physical hunger and mental hunger, as I just mentioned, I do believe that there are two more very important types of hunger that need to be addressed here in the context of extreme hunger in recovery. So the first one I like to call exercise hunger. And before you think, oh, well, if thinking about food means I need to eat food, then surely thinking about exercise means that I need to exercise. Well, nice try, my friend, but no. Exercise hunger is actually a form of mental hunger that isn't as obvious because you're not directly thinking about food. So I guess you could say it's almost a disguised form of mental hunger, if you will. And if you are thinking about exercise as a means to deserve or make up for food or if you're obsessively planning your workout routine it is mental hunger because you are trying to work out a way again no pun intended in which you will allow yourself to eat more food and i do want to reiterate here that exercise goes way beyond working out at the gym or running or lifting weights or any kind of movement that society kind of hammers on us nowadays because any type of compensation whether this be pacing or needing to take the stairs instead of the elevator not allowing yourself to sit down purging these are all ways in which you are trying to quote-unquote deserve food meaning that they're also all ways in which you're trying to disguise your mental hunger And the last type of hunger that I feel isn't really talked about enough in the recovery space is what I call eating-induced hunger. So, just to give you kind of an idea, have you ever started eating something, maybe you weren't particularly hungry, but then you find yourself absolutely starving halfway through or after the meal? 
Well, this, my friend, is eating-induced hunger, meaning hunger that has been triggered by the act of eating. Simple as that. And just like when we talk about extreme hunger in general, the phenomenon of eating-induced hunger makes complete sense from a biological perspective. As we established, your body will not likely send out physical hunger cues if it believes to be in a famine environment. But when you start to eat food, such as a meal that you may start eating even if you're not that hungry, your body then while eating, receives the notion that it is in fact not in a famine environment, and it then believes physical hunger cues to be appropriate. So it'll send them out halfway through after the meal, and then you get super hungry and are super confused. And I know that eating-induced hunger can feel so irrational and can lead to feeling this fear that you will never feel satisfied, but just like mental hunger, it's your body's way of telling you that it needs food. And honestly, extreme hunger itself, in whichever form, is your body's way of telling you that it needs food. Trust me, I know it can be so, so, so scary and so, so, so difficult to honor a bodily signal that you've gotten used to ignoring for however long you've been ignoring it. But honoring the extreme hunger that you feel now is really one of the keys to healing not only your body, but also your mind. I promise you that it does go over and the thoughts about food will lessen and your body will trust you again. But my friend, first you need to prove to your body that it can be trusted. You need to prove to your body that food is abundant. So with that said, I'm going to wrap this up and I really hope that this episode has given you insight and inspired you to honor and embrace the extreme hunger you may be going through. And if you did learn anything at all, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could share this episode on Instagram and tag me at live label free like the name of this podcast so that you can help inspire other people to honor their extreme hunger too. You are never alone, my friend, and always remember that you have whatever it takes. I am sending you so much love and we will definitely chat again soon. Bye-bye now.